What's up, bikers? Welcome to episode 157 of the Biker Bar podcast live stream. Today, we're going to have Sid and Mackie on. I'm super stoked to talk to them. It's been a long time since, since they've been on. If for some reason you don't know who they are, they're professional mountain bikers. They're also YouTubers and they're married. So I feel like they got a lot, they got a lot going on. So nonetheless, before we get started, I, um, have been recently talking to you guys about some of the, some of the, the companies that have helped me out over the years. And like I said, not sponsored, but I just kind of want to try to share some, share some of the love for them. So the last couple of weeks I've been talking about Tasco and honestly, with the heat, the way it is, it is, um, their phantom line is like super lightweight for summer. And I can't speak highly enough about it. Honestly, it was a pair of the Phantom shorts that got me to switch from the the brand of shorts that I was wearing before, just because they're so lightweight. It's it's like it's I don't even know. It's like a dream. It's like a dream come true. If I could only get a chamois that was that light too, then it would be like it would be money. But until Tasco starts making chamois, I guess you can just buy shorts from them if you use the code Scout dash biker you'll save 15 or 20 percent, something of that something of that nature and um they also have some some gloves if you like the the lightweight summer gloves they have a phantom line of gloves as well so i have several different colors of those because i'm a big i'm a big fan of the summer gloves so if you don't follow me on instagram you'll miss out and a good example is just the other day tasco had a sale where you bought one item and the second item was 75 percent off it was a really good deal and uh that's what i posted on instagram and facebook and those of you guys that follow me over there probably saw that got to use the code save some money so do me a favor swing by instagram or facebook whichever one that you do give me a follow and uh keep up with what's going on in the channel I also want to say thanks to everybody on Patreon. Honestly, this is um, this is a grassroots thing, man. The, both channels are 100% being supported by Patreon. You guys mean a lot to me, and um, it's your support that helps keep, keep keep things going. So, for instance, there's a new Sony camera that I just bought that's really gonna like help me level up some of the stuff on the biker channel. So, uh, and also potentially, I might be using it in here. I'm thinking about trying to to maybe film up in my office instead of out here in the garage so in the summer when it's a billion degrees then i'll be in air conditioning it'll be like i leveled up myself so anyways thank you all on patreon really really means a lot it's as little as a buck or you could throw five bucks into it and and really help me out so it means a ton it really does i every time i write a letter to somebody that's in the five dollar tier it's I don't know. I want to say not emotional, but it's definitely something that like hits the heart. You're like, man, somebody actually like believes in me enough to support this channel. That's rad. Feels good. Anyways, let's go ahead and bring Sid and Mackie on. How are you guys? Hey, we're good. It's been too long. It's been so long. Like we were saying before the show, 2021 was the last time that we talked. I think it and, was 2020. Uh, Huh? Dang. I think it was 2020. No, 2020. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One I, of those I forgot our conversation years. from like 37 seconds ago. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's been so much that's happened in that amount of time. The thing that the first thing that comes to mind for me is 
I think you guys bought a house in that time, right? We did. We are sitting yeah. in it right now. <laughs> we are. <laughs> we obviously before... don't have the nice setup like you do with all the lights glowing. And I don't know. Uh, we do it. have nicer setups, but we are um, benefiting from the joys of home ownership, and our air conditioning is not working, so we are hiding in the basement. <laughs> That makes sense. You know. So you could relate with me when I was talking about uh, not being in the garage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the what what was the um, what made you choose where you're at for your house? Because you guys were kind of the vagabonds for a while, you know, living in the van, and you had the whole country as experience. So. Yeah. So we we knew we wanted to be in New Mexico. Mackie's family is in New Mexico. We love New Mexico. We had been sort of vaguely based in Taos up until, well, up until the pandemic. And then we were more based in Taos because it wasn't really viable to be wandering around in a van. And we have always really liked Los Alamos where we ended up buying a house because the trail access is just insane. Like we can just go out our garage and ride pretty much as long as we want to. Yeah, it's like three and a half minutes to trail and then we could pretty much ride forever. So that's nice. Awesome. Yeah, I would say that is pretty much like mountain biking was our main criteria for where we were gonna Definitely. live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like we've, talked, we've talked about moving out of California and every time we talk about it, I'm like, man, we have such good riding where I live that I, I feel I feel like man I don't know like what stacks up against it you know totally yeah we chose here because northern New Mexico which is where we are has the mountains of Colorado and the population of nothing basically so like yeah. you'll go out and ride for four hours and you'll come back and you'll be like guess what I saw someone on the trail today right um, so we're we're pretty used to just having the trails to ourselves all the time. Just, yeah. What's the weather like there? Oh, it's generally pretty nice. It's been quite warm this summer, uh, but I don't think we're alone in that. Yeah. For sure. um, <laughs> yeah. And a winter, we get decent snow. I mean, it's not getting better, <laughs> yeah. but um, we do have a little local ski area, so we can ski. Um, it's it's not hot compared to like Albuquerque or Southern New Mexico. Cause we are at 7,200 feet at our house and it's all up from there. So we're complaining um, about it being hot and it's like high eighties. Yeah. We're like, it's uh, so hot. We're yeah. dying. It's not Phoenix, so for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. My daughter lives in San Francisco. She goes to school there. And if it hits like 80 degrees, everybody in San Francisco is like dying. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Sacramento, it's like 110. <laughs> oh, man, I would really struggle. <laughs> you know, honestly, I don't. Um, the heat doesn't bother me as much as cold bothers me. I, I don't know what what the deal is with that, but I definitely like. I mean, I'll go out and road. I, I did a road ride last week. I think it was like 105 when I was riding. Yeah. I mean, granted, if you're in the shade, it's good. You know what I mean? When you're in that like direct heat, like sun, then it's that's that's pretty rough. But uh well Mackie yeah, raced so. Downeyville, what it was like a week, two weeks ago, week and a half yeah, ago. Week and a half ago. It was like hundred and three degrees. So it was uh, we got a taste <laughs> of that for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think when that race was going on, I was riding 
just right up in Mills Peak, like the same weekend. And uh, I remember it was like mid seventies at the top of the hill. But once you came down the hill, it was like it was like you were riding into a blow dryer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. So you guys have been doing a lot of races then recently. Um, it was like BC bike race a couple of weeks ago. Downeyville. Is it, can we talk about that or is it like all spoilers for the channel? Uh, I think we can talk about it. I mean, spoiler alert to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you're going to be mad about it, like leave now, I guess. Um, First BC bike race video drops Friday. Yeah. Oh, right on. on right so, now. So subscribe, et cetera. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we can definitely talk about it. I, I feel like our videos are about more than just like the race results. So yeah. So how did the BC bike race go? Cause last week I had a friend of mine on that was there okay. and, um, and it was kind of like the perspective of the, the regular rider. And I, I thought it would be really interesting to have you guys on right after and like, see what the perspective of the professional is, you know? Well, they probably mentioned that it was hot. Yeah. Yeah. Every, everybody definitely was talking about that a lot. So what, um, I, I know you guys have been changing up your, your training. Was it in general, just like for your whole season or was something like that race really like kind of dictating that change or. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would say one of the big changes we made was doing more volume, which is kind of the, it's one of the big ways that you get faster on a bike. And I don't want people listening to this to take that and be like, I need to ride for 25 hours a week because that may not be like the best next step for a lot of people. Um, mm -hmm. It was the next step for us because we were already doing a ton of quality training. So we were kind of at the point where like, what can we do better? We can do more of it. And I mean, that was both for just getting faster generally, specifically going uphill, um, mm -hmm. but also like, yeah, very helpful for seven day races for sure um i mean i'll i'll, I'll let mackie talk in a second but <laughs> <laughs> i'll just say that like the first time i did bc bike race it was in 2019 and it felt like like i felt like i lived a lifetime in a week it was so hard i was so beat up like so screw screwed up my body got sick yada 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 like it felt so hard and this year I was like, I think they've made it easier. Like this seems kind of easy. Like, what am I doing? Like, I need to go harder, you know? And I don't think they've made it easier. I think that was me mostly. Yeah. The yeah. difference between Sid 2019 BC bike race and Sid 2023 BC bike race was significant just in terms of fitness and ability to recover and sort of general, like strength and stuff that allowed her to go hard for seven days in a row without, you know, her knees flaring up and getting pissed like they did last time and just all this stuff. It was, it was really cool to see. Yeah, 2019, uh, that would have been before you, your injury, right? It was the beginning. I would, yeah, say, yeah. I would say like, it was kind of the beginning of my injury. Like it was actually funny, sad, uh, emotional. I don't know. I ran into the massage therapist that I had worked with when we did the race in 2019. And he was like, he'd started watching our videos and he was just like, 
like I knew you were just you were destroyed after that race like you were so broken like it's really amazing to see like you come back and like be fine and I was like whoa okay like other people were seeing this about to happen and I wasn't seeing it then at all like I mean yeah I, I was it was just so normalized to be in pain for me at that point like yeah. it was so normal that I was like okay like it takes me 20 minutes to like bend my knees in the morning. Like, that's fine. That's normal. That's, that's in case just, anyone's like, wondering, that's not, not normal. normal. Yeah, yeah. If you are in pain all the time, you should work yeah. with people so that that's not the case <laughs> yeah. because you don't need to be. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, I, I, we're going to, we're jumping all over the place here, but I mean, whatever. How do you, how do you get care like that? Because I mean, you go to a primary doctor, they're, they're not like, like even me, I'm like, oh, I ride a lot of bike. And they're like, oh, okay, great. And and then I'm like, no, you don't understand. I ride like six days a week. And they're like, oh, that's nice. And, and I'm like, <laughs> no, but I want to understand like what that means for me and my body. And they're like, oh, you're in great shape for that. And, and I'm like, Ugh. you know. Unfortunately, you go to a specialist and pay more money. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's really yeah, the like, short answer. Like, cause Sid tried to do, you know, we were, we had New Mexico health insurance at the time. And so like, we tried to do stuff in New Mexico and like saw a bunch of different people. And and I, were... I did see a great PT in Taos, but yeah. it was hard to get anyone to like, see the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. They had sort of a like... protocol to follow, like, okay, for this kind of injury, which is what we thought Sid had, like we follow these steps. And then when yeah. those steps kind of run out, they're like, yeah. See, yeah. Yeah, you're better. And I'm like, but nothing's better. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. we paid completely out of pocket for everything. Like we went up to, we moved to Boulder essentially so that I could do PT three days a week with um, Dane Delosier at Revo. Um, mm -hmm. And he's just one of the best. And it was like $90 an appointment for three days a week for yeah. nine months. Yeah. That sounds fun. So, yeah, like really, really grateful to have been in a position where I could do that, which mm -hmm. most people aren't. And that's what's like really, really sad about chronic pain in this country is most people don't have the ability to completely uproot their lives mm -hmm. and pay a ridiculous amount of money to get better. And yeah, I just got heavy all of a sudden. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, but it, it it's the truth of the matter, you know, yeah. and like, like, I think as cyclists, you know, in, in general, that I'm just going to be like real, like stereotypical, but like, I, I just don't think that the healthcare, the normal healthcare system doesn't always understand those injuries for like people that ride a lot and like how, how to actually like work with them to, to like make things better. You know what I mean? Like I had a, well, like a rotator cuff injury and they're like, you know, the things that they're asking me to do, I'm like, well, how does that affect me riding? Cause I'm like in this position, they're like, they just don't, they don't um, think about it in that same way. And I'm like, you're telling me that it's fine. I can ride bike, but I'm out riding for like five hours. You, you know what I mean? Like, like this doesn't make sense where you're like, yeah, don't lift anything too heavy though. I'm like, Mm, you know. yeah, they're imagining you're on a bike path like only using your legs and like resting your upper body and that's yeah not, i guess you know yeah. <laughs> right and even well, like that, i mean like even on a road bike it's like dude it, it's taxing you know yeah. totally well and not only that but even if you're not injured 
being healthy and like being in good shape has a lot of the same markers as what was the well, the example i think we were listening to a huberman labs podcast which is great by the way if you haven't checked it out but he was saying that like if you talk to a doctor a lot of the signs of being in really good shape are the same signs as about to go into cardiac arrest like there's like you know your pulse slows down and like blood yeah. flow like there's all these things well, and like and also the signs of like having done really strenuous exercise so oh, like yeah like when we came back from Chile, so we did a five day stage race in Chile in March and then flew home the day afterwards. Don't recommend that bad plan. Um, but basically like my legs swelled up, like I had pitting edema in my legs. Like these are basically like signs of someone in like, uh, end stage cardiac disease (laughs) basically, but I was fine. You know, I was just like, this is what stage racing does to you. Um, it's not really healthy, but like, for your body to be able to deal with that actually is healthy in a way, if that makes sense. Well, like, yeah, being able to recover from that is a good sign, but like, it's, you know, it's just tricky. It's like, like you were saying, it's really hard to find care that understands what performance is like, what, you know, trying to be a serious athlete is. And you kind of have to go outside the traditional medical system and find, you know, a good PT or a good coach, or, you know, you have to work with someone who's probably not going to be covered by your insurance, which sucks, but you know, that's what you have to find. And, you know, actually Jay just commented, my insurance said they'd only cover PT to restore me to normal function, not previous athletic performance. And like that right there is the problem. Yeah. And that's about the issue. I would say that I was facing, we were able to get some of it covered with my spot accident insurance, which bless their hearts. It was a bit of a stretch, but I had had a crash and we were like, maybe that caused it. Yeah. <laughs> that, um, <laughs> definitely was it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it was like anybody's guess at that point. Really right, right. <sighs> well, um, there was a, like, Sid had a crash and like felt something weird in her like abdomen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that sort of lined up with what our PT Dane eventually decided is he's like, yeah, I think you like, I think it was like the last straw. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was like the last rubber band yeah. out of like yeah. the, the, the group of them, you know? Yeah. Exactly. So definitely like get accident insurance. Yes. If you are mountain, mountain biking. biking. It's like a lifesaver for sure. Yep. What is that? It's like a, a sec- secondary kind of. So it's accident insurance, which means that it is not health insurance, mm-hmm. but it covers out of pocket costs for anything that happens during an accident. So like if you trip and fall and break your arm and you go to the ER and you pay out of pocket or you pay your deductible, they'll reimburse you for that deductible because it was an accident. It doesn't color, you know, illness or chronic things because those aren't accidents, but any kind of accident, like I crashed and ended up fracturing my radial head and didn't Mm -hmm. realize it but still like filled out the form because I was like, well, you know, if I, and it turns out if you fracture your radial head and don't do anything about it, blood can pool there and swell because it's trying to heal it. And then it cuts off the blood flow to this tendon and oh, this tendon cool. ended up rupturing. So I couldn't hmm. like, I couldn't do a thumbs up. Uh-huh. And so I had to get a full tendon repair where they take a tendon from here and attach it to your thumb. Instead, this tendon oh, didn't exist oh, basically. Wow. And they, 
covered it because it was an accident. Like it was a crash that caused it. So yeah, and ours is like I think it's capped at twenty thousand per mm-hmm. incident. So it's you you need other insurance yeah. too, right? If something yeah. catastrophic were to happen, but for like twenty five dollars a month, like we're able to have pretty high deductible plans and just like cross our fingers that if we get hurt, it's in an accident and like illness or whatever. Um, Or if you get hurt, you're just like, go out and run into a wall. You're like, no, it was an accident. (laughs) What's that? (laughs) (laughs) They're like, uh, hmm. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Just splice together some old footage. They'll never know. (laughs) And I think they work with Spot works with Imba now. Is that right? So if you're and USA Cycling, I and believe. USA Cycling. Yep. So if you have a USA Cycling license or an Imba membership with like your local trail yeah. advocacy group, you may be eligible to like get one of the plans. Yeah, and you may it may oh, be you included. May have yeah, it. you should. Yeah. yeah, it's worth looking into because you know accident insurance. <laughs> it's a thing. Yeah. yeah, the one I always think about is the the helicopter one. There, that I know. I've heard a lot of people talk about that one where it's like, I don't know what it is. Like, yeah, it's pretty like, cheap, like 70 bucks a year or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's like, yeah, if you get picked up out in the middle of the mountains, like it could be like $10,000 or something like that. Totally. Yeah. And your regular insurance won't cover that, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. the one I, I always think about because, and we do a lot of, you know, backcountry stuff here. And, and it's just like, yeah, that would suck, you know? Yeah. No, nobody wants to pay a bunch of money for like a, a helicopter ride, or, you know? But I, then no, it's like you. this other thing where you feel like, like, are you going to get yourself into this position where you're paying for all these insurances? And like, because there's bike insurance too. You can get, you know, and so it's, it's like, do you end up spending more because you're you're paying these monthly fees or I don't know. That's the part where it gets to be a, a struggle, right? Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, so, hopefully you just pay all these insurances. You never have to use them. That's, right. that's really the goal. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't use them. That, that's just try to waste goal. all of that money getting <laughs> insurance. <laughs> so what do you do to prepare for a seven day race? Like, like, BC bike race, like on at, at like a professional level. <laughs> um, I mean, we've kind of been working towards BKC bike race since November of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we had a bunch of races that we wanted to do well at and perform at. And so all of our training was kind of building on, you know, building for all of those events, but we knew that BC bike race was going to be a big one. It was in the middle of the season. We wanted to go into it really fit, really strong. Um, and so that's kind of been the focus is really improving our ability to go uphill faster. Um, try to keep the descending skills fresh so that we were, you know, either gaining time or not losing time to the, the people we were around, but really for both of us, because of the enduro background that we, we have, it was going up the hills faster. And uh, mm-hmm. it was a lot of work. We did a lot of riding this year, um, but I feel like it's it paid off. We both saw definite improvements. We definitely are climbing better than we ever have, um, but we also both want to climb faster still. So, yeah, so <laughs> here we are. 
I mean, to just give like the sort of basic overview from like October of last year, like we had done a full season in October, we went and did testing at Revo, the same place that I did my recovery. So we did VO2 max test testing, lactate, um, basically like trying to figure out like, what do we need to target? Um, for me, it was pretty clear, like VO2 max was pretty good. Um, my threshold was not great, which makes sense if you've spent at that point have been like 18 months off the bike and I had been back training for like six months. So, um, and just like yeah. high level explanation of that VO2 max is like the cap of kind of the work that your body can do. And threshold is what it can do for an extended period of time. Yeah. The way our coach explained it is like VO2 is your, is your, your roof. roof and threshold is your ceiling. So if you have a really high roof, but your ceiling's really low, that doesn't, you know, it's not that beneficial. You want your ceiling to be like up close to that top of the roof so that you're performing at that high level. And if they start getting close, then you need to increase the VO2 so that you can bump the, the threshold. Yeah. When you're saying threshold, you're talking about FTP basically essentially yeah, yeah. so yeah. functional yeah. threshold power or lactate yeah. threshold or those are all sort of so functional threshold concepts. power is the power you can hold for an hour and there are a variety of different ways to test that like that's what all those ramp tests are or like a 20 minute power test if you can do this for 20 minutes put it through an equation you can probably do this for an hour a pure lactate test actually measures the lactate buildup in your blood Right. Generally, lactate threshold and FTP are effectively the same thing. Like, there's no real reason that they would be like radically different. There's also no real reason that anybody needs to know it down to like a single watt on every given day because it fluctuates right. all the time. Um, but the testing that we did kind of gave us an idea of like, okay, like Mackie has pretty high, what was your VO2? Like 69? Something yeah, like I think it's like pretty high roof, but also like very high threshold, like tons of training. Like we could try to push the roof higher. So starting in like November, December, he did quite a bit of VO2 max training, which are really short intervals, short, mm -hmm. very hard intervals, because you're basically getting your heart to work like as hard as it can for one minute or three minutes or five minutes. That's yeah, those are the work. ones that really suck on the trainer. <laughs> yes. Yes, those yes ones. they do. Yeah, yeah they yeah. suck outside too. They out. suck no yeah. matter what, how you do them. <laughs> they suck everywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then for me, it was like pretty obvious. Like, okay, like VO2 is good. Threshold, pretty low. So I spent most of the winter doing like 20-minute intervals, essentially. Just like working on threshold, doing time at a tempo pace, which is like a little bit below threshold. Um I so think what that was, was go like, ahead. what was your both of your FTPs when you guys started the training compared to like where you ended up at? To be honest, we don't really track yeah. it. Like that's something yeah. that we upload our data and Coach Mike like he uses his deal, yeah. stuff and basically like adjusts our numbers for our upcoming intervals if he needs to. Uh -huh. um, I think I tested mine and like was mine was tested at like two thirty three. And like, I, I think the thing is we were a little more focused on like, basically your FTP is kind of a factor of like your Watts to kilo. Like that's the Watts part, how yeah. fast you actually go up the hill is the Watts over kilo part. Um, so we also made an effort to lean out a little bit, which helped a lot. I think, 
I feel like I got a training peaks notification saying my FTP is like 245. So like it has gone up. Yeah. It has gone up a lot. I'm also like Well, it's ten percent. Okay, it's gone up a bit. It's like six to yeah. eight pounds lighter and like up ten watts, give or take. Yeah. Um, so that's just that, good, like honestly, like yeah. to, to make a change like that, it's it's not easy, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I never really had an understanding of watts before this winter, and I, I did Swift for the first time, and it was um quite an eye-opener to me to like know like oh this is what Mackie's like pushing on on his training and i'm like what the fuck dude i couldn't even do that for 10 <laughs> seconds you know like, Being there, it's nuts. yeah right yeah. he's like you know i i think you were like on that video in particular you were like doing like 350 or something like that and it was like i mean now yeah i have some some spots where it would like put me in that spot for a, a short amount of time but when i first started I just remember like 235 was like, this sucks, <laughs> you know, and, oh, and then, um, but, but I, I think that what it's really done though, is it kind of gave me a different measure to push myself with whenever I'm actually on the trail. Mm -hmm. And so in the past, I always have used a Garmin, but I would just, you know, as far as mountain biking went, I was just using a Garmin to like see how many miles and how much elevation I did. And then maybe on the road bike or the gravel bike, it would be like, oh, I know I want to stay around like 16 miles an hour or something like that, or 19 miles mm -hmm. an hour. It's like, but I never really knew like, like how much effort I was actually putting in. So now on the gravel bike, which is mostly like almost a road ride where I'm at is like, I can, I can look down and, and easily be like, oh, I'm at, you know, 220 watts. Like I could push more, you, you know what I mean? And, or it's like, oh, I feel like I'm going. And then you look down and you're like, dude, you're at like 185. You're like just spinning your legs. You know, like it's maybe you're tired that day or something. You know, there's a lot of things that really play into how, how, how you feel, but it definitely, I I've noticed that it, it, it really gives me a much better understanding of like, Hey, I know I could be at 350 for X amount of time from doing that trainer. So when I'm on this long hill and I'm like telling myself that I'm at my max and you can look down and see that number, it really, it really changes things. Do you guys use like metrics like that while you're riding for your race? Depends. I, I think we generally try to have that screen not on when racing. Mm -hmm. um there are some races if the start is like depending on how the start is that i might have it up and i'll have like a note from mike our coach in my race plan that's like don't go over this number <laughs> yeah <laughs> in the first half hour you know yeah. and then you're like Ooh. and i always and i always go anyway. over the number like you know he, i think he puts in some buffer there but like yeah, yeah. mike if you're listening <laughs> please put in some buffer because <laughs> it always goes over it so there was one recently where he was like don't go over 290 and i'm like oh lord if i go over 290 i'm gonna explode <laughs> um, it was like a really like he knew the course you know and it was a really hard start and like i probably did go over 290 you know um but in general i would say we don't use it partially because we both have a lot of race experience and when you have a lot of race experience, you're pretty in tune with like, okay, here's how hard I can go and for how long without like looking at a number and seeing that. 
Yeah. That being said, there are times when, you know, you're on a climb and you're like, I feel like I'm working really hard and checking that and being like, yes, I am working really hard. This is not sustainable. I need to back it down a little bit can be really helpful. Yeah. I think the thing we want to avoid when racing is to like, you know, artificially limit ourselves too much to be like, cause you never know what you're capable of in a race. And that's why I said like at the start, like, yeah, you do kind of want to do that. Cause like, you never know, but also like our coach has a reasonable idea of like, <laughs> what's going to be a bad idea. So, you know, you pay attention to it a little bit then, but like in the back half of the race, if you're feeling good and those numbers are high, like it's better not to know, you know? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Like, Oh, you know, I just did, you know, 10% over threshold for that last climb. Like I'm going to blow up. Like, yeah. Yeah. Then you'll get in your head or something like that. You might start backing off even more than you would. Yeah. 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 It totally makes sense. How how much are you guys riding during the week? Um, Well, recently we have not ridden our bikes. Very little because we're recovering. (laughs) Um, I think, yeah, this is such a funny one because we get comments all the time from people that are like, I follow you on Strava and you don't ride that much. Cause they like, I don't know, also follow world tour road racers and think <laughs> everyone should be riding 30 hours a week. Um, we did do a couple, we've done like a handful of weeks over 20 hours this year. Um, I think that was including gym work, including gym work. Um, yeah. So 18 hours, for like a big training week on the bike. Um, so would that be like five days that you're going out riding or? It's usually six to seven. Yeah, it's usually yeah. seven, but maybe two of those are hour spins. Maybe yeah. One. No, I think two. I like hour easy spins. endurance kind of like yeah. just get out and move your legs. Um, yeah. Those are the ones I'm... that I have to admit we have a ha- bad habit of skipping. <laughs> or we yeah. do them on the e-bikes, which is awesome. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, there you go. Yeah, and then like pretty much come like May, we just race so much that we don't really have a consistent like hourly. We did have like we decided not to race for the first for pretty much all of June, so that was good. Mm-hmm. We got to put in like two really big weeks, back it off for a week, drive to BC, ramp up a little bit right before the race, and then race. Um, I would say that it's hard to say this is how much we ride a week because it really fluctuates. It depends on whether there's a race that weekend. It depends on if we're in a big training block, it depends where in the training block we are. Um, And that's where having a schedule in our case, working with a coach, but even, you know, having a a pre-built training plan can be really helpful because instead of just constantly wondering, Oh, should I be riding more? Should I be riding less? You know, blah, blah. It gives you some structure as to okay, these days are going to be longer days, and I need to be ready for that. And these days are you know shorter days or or days that I'm supposed to be off. And it allows you to get rid of the the constant, in my case at least, like questioning of oh, should I be doing more? Am I not doing enough? Instead, mm-hmm. having like a plan, you're like, cool, I know what this plan is. I'm going to follow it, and yeah. And it's really, really hard when it's hard and really, <laughs> really easy when it's easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, so yeah. basically just to like tell everyone what we've done in July, um, <laughs> BC bike race was July 3rd through 9th. We then immediately got in the car, drove 16 hours to Downeyville, Mackie race Downeyville. I kept training through this period. So I was doing my intervals at 6 PM in 105 <laughs> degree heat after he had raced to Downeyville. Then 
so that was the weekend after BCBR. Then we got in the car, drove 18 hours home, um, had like one day off, turned everything around and did a 24 hour race in New Mexico this past weekend. Mackie did not do that. But I um, did follow each of the four yeah, people we were on, on the a team for a lap. Team. So, and when we finished that, like, like I haven't ridden my bike since Sunday. I don't know, Sunday when I did the last lap for that. Like it was just like we have to shut it down. It's mm-hmm. July. We're super tired. Like we have to. Last year we got COVID this exact week, <laughs> and I actually like in some ways it was terrible. In other ways it was like really good timing because we really needed a break. And yeah. so this year we're taking the break, hopefully, hopefully without, without the COVID. COVID. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Break, right. not the COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. I mean, um, when you're taking the break off the bike, are you still going to the gym or you guys like, we're just chilling for like a week or whatever. We have been doing the gym. I think that oh, it's kind of nice. Cause we really dropped, like we didn't do gym work the whole time we were on the road because we were just riding way too much yeah well and it's hard if you know finding a gym or you know doing body like it's hard to fit it in when you're also traveling yeah so we kind of dropped the gym work then and then now mike's like cool we're gonna get back into the gym work we'll start with that while you guys are either off the bike or just ride if you feel like it for a week we have not felt like it. We have not felt like we're it. probably gonna go to the yeah. bike park this weekend. Yeah, we're gonna here. go to the bike park. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's interesting hearing like how your training goes because like I will have times where I ride seven days a week, and I have times where I don't. Usually, um, it has to do with you know either motivation or how busy I am with other shit. But I, I do notice that like when you were saying you're riding seven, you have two of them, that, one or two that are rest days. I usually have two days that are like, I'll go out and ride, but I'm definitely not putting any effort effort in. You, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm just showing up the spin. Yep. And, and to me, I always just, I'm, I'm just a hundred percent basing off of like what my body feels like, mm-hmm. you, you know? And it's like, okay, well, we did a 4,000 foot ride or a 5,000 foot ride yesterday. Uh, and somehow maybe that next day, I'll still go out and kill it on a 30 mile road ride. But the day after that, it's like, I'm struggle busting it just to like go like 15 miles an hour. <laughs> you know? Totally. And, and that's like in, in my mind, I like try not to beat myself up over that day. It's just like, Hey, I'm just out. I'm like getting some cardio in and I'm moving for an hour and a half or whatever it is. And it is what it is. So. It, yeah. I, I would say like, I, I think that's good, actually, what you're describing. I would say the major mistake that, like, uncoached athletes make is, like, having every ride be kind of, like, the same level of intensity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, whereas, like, for us, like, when we're doing these big training weeks when we're not racing, it might look like we'll have two days a week where we have really hard intervals. So, like. And gym work. Usually, generally. yeah. Usually gym work the same day. So, like, those are, like, really killer days. And then like two to three days, depending on where we are in the season of like long, like three to four hour rides, but like Like endurance kind of rides. Yeah. But like, you're not, we're not really going hard, you know, for, well, so we, we know what our endurance ranges are as defined by coach Mike. And what we try to do is when we're climbing, we try to be in that range. Like when you're pedaling, you try to be in that power range and it's a big range for me it's like 
220 to 350 or something like it's a uh-huh. huge range so i just try to be in that range when i'm climbing and then when you're descending you don't worry about it and it means that the yeah. average for the ride is going to be below like you're not going to be in that range for the average unless you went really hard right. on the climbs twice as hard yeah, yeah. and yeah. so that's how we do it and that's how coach mike has us do it like he knows the ride average is not going to be in the endurance zone but that's not the point. The point is to like be out there for three, four hours. And when you are climbing or pedaling, you're in that range. And otherwise, you know, you're descending, you're working on your descending skills and just time on the yeah. bike. Yeah. And then, and then any days that are left, I don't know how many days I said <laughs> would be like an hour recovery ride or mm-hmm. all the way off kind of depending. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think at the beginning of this year, you were doing one of coach Mike's training plans. Is that correct? No, I, think it was I don't training. know. I was just doing oh, Zwift training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How was that? I I um went from a person that would talk all kinds of shit to anybody that said they were Zwifting to a person <laughs> that's like a fucking believer. Like it, it is, it 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 totally changed my perception on 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 the, the trainer rides now. And and I always say that with like an asterisk, and the asterisk is. If you don't have ERG mode, I think it's worthless. Like, like because I don't think that there's anybody. I think the percentage of population out there that is actually going to push themselves as hard when they're in control of the the dial as that machine will is low. You know what I mean? There's probably five percent of people that will actually like that would make themselves like hate that bike that much, but not as much as that machine will when it's like. There, there's no, re- there is no remorse from that machine at all. It's like, you, you know, like on a regular bike ride, you can, man, my chamois kind of out of place and like get out of the saddle and adjust it. And on, on Zwift, it's like, oh, you, you want to like, like two, two pedal strokes, you're going to take it easy. Guess what? <laughs> it's ramping the power up and you're like, so you're like, no, I'm just going to sit here and take it. You know, and, and, uh, I, I didn't realize like what training like that, like how dr- dramatically it could change what you're doing. So yeah. in, in um, like to, to kind of explain what I'm saying before I started that training, I was riding between, let's just say five and seven days a week and just, but like, and I think that year or last fall, I actually was not even riding much gravel. I was just going out and mountain biking, like uh, so, so my easy days would be like 1500 feet of elevation and my big days would be like 5,000 or 5,500 feet of elevation. So, and maybe it would depend on, you know, like some days I would be pushing a lot harder than I, I would on others. Right. And maybe one of those days or two of those days I'm shuttling or something like that. So, um, but either way, like I was riding a ton and I started watching a, cause my buddy that was getting ready to, to do BC bike race was doing Swift. And I'm in my mind, I'm like, dude, I'm riding like five, six days a week. And he's just pulling away from me in his fitness level. And it was one of those things where, you know, it's easy for me to be like, oh, I'm a big guy. That dude weighs like 170 pounds. It's easier for him to, you you know what I mean? And, but, but I knew that we had always kind of like, like, hey, he was always five minutes faster than me on this climb. And now he's like 
15 minutes faster than me on this line. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, there's no doubting it, you know, whatever it is. Something changed, it, yep. Yeah, yeah. And so it was because of watching how much, like, his fitness changed, like, where where it'd be like, yeah, I, I could see him pull away from me on a climb before, but now he's, like, out of the saddle and just, like, hammering up this hill. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So I decided to give it a shot. And, and um, man, that is definitely, like I said, it just gave me a whole new perspective for, for that type of training in, in so many different ways. I didn't know that you could put that much hurting on your, like, legs in an hour. You, you know what I mean? Like to get off of a ride on those, the, like those days when Zwift's like a complete asshole, you know, like to get off of the bike and feel like my legs are destroyed. Like I did four hours in the mountains, you, you know? Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's, it's, and this is why I laugh when people are like, why aren't you riding for 30 hours a week? I'm like, oh, we could kill you in an hour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> crush you I, I, I feel like it was like last year at some point in the summer the weather it was like really stormy and so we texted mike we're like hey like <laughs> we have a three-hour ride on the schedule like we're gonna get caught between thunderstorms like can you give us something that's like an hour <laughs> biggest regret of my life that was our hardest workout of the year by far i think he was like yeah sure do like two by ten minute max effort or two by two by one minute ten, two by ten, ten by two minute yeah. max efforts oh it was so can hard. you explain what that is for people that don't know what a two by ten is? Go as hard as you can for two minutes. Ten times. Take a two minute break and then do it again ten times in a row. Oh, that sounds awful. Savage. It was. Yeah. It was very yeah. hard. So yeah, quality over quantity. Yep. Always. Yep. Don't go do that every day. That's not good training either. But yeah. But I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it sounds like that's what you experienced. Is you know, you started doing some of these structured rides and they were shorter, but it, it meant you didn't have to go and be out on the bike for four hours to get yeah. this training benefit. And that's, that's really the key with any kind of training plan. Swift has them, trainer road has them, training peaks has them, you know, there's pre-built ones like coach Mike has a set of them or just working with a coach one-on-one -on -one like we do, like they give you that structure so that you get these benefits without just trying to go and ride for four or five hours every day, because that's a lot of time commitment. Like even as professional mountain bike racers, four to five hours a day would be a lot of time to commit to being on a bike. Like I like my bike. Yeah. Not that much. <laughs> yeah. I, I felt like it also did it. Like it made when you're on your bike, like a little more special to me again, like, like instead of, you know, when you're just spending time, let's just call them like training rides where you're just out there, like it's not as 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 exciting as whenever you're like, dude, this is super fun. We're having a good time. You, you know what I mean? So if you were doing it on the trainer and I, I just remember thinking like, I can't wait to be on the actual trail because it's <laughs> not going to suck this much. Yep. <laughs> totally. So, But um, also like when you ride that much as well, it, it's... um. It gets monotonous. You you know, you start to you know, like you've ridden your closest trail system so many times that it's like it's almost not even fun to ride. You, you, you know what I mean? For sure. So it's it's hard to imagine as like because I remember at a point in my life where I rode once a week and you know I, I couldn't imagine 
Like in my mind, it would be like a dream come true to ride every day, you know, and then you do it for a while and you're like, well, I need to come up with something else because <laughs> there is more otherwise I'm going to end up quitting than riding you know? bicycles. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, you guys also, I would assume change your diet up getting ready for that race as well. Cause I think you said, you said you, you, you lost some weight. So yes. what kind of changes did you make? Cause I, from watching your channel, you guys eat pretty clean as it is. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I think endurance sports are so funny. Like, I, I just want to, like, run some disclaimers real quick. <laughs> but, like, neither of us thought we were fat. Like, we didn't need to be on a diet for health reasons. Like, we ate yeah. really, really well. Um, unfortunately, we are just in a sport where um, watts to kilo matters a lot. Basically, and the lighter you are and the more power you can put out, the faster you go up a hill. Right. Yeah. And we're both, like again disclaimer on the bigger side for mountain bike for xc mountain bike athletes um most of that i think it is from racing enduro like a lot of focus on gym training like you just have more muscularity like especially on the guys side like some of the men just have no upper body at all biceps the size of my wrist yeah Matthew's not Let's just put it that way not body shame anyone no we're but... not no not that's like they go uphill <laughs> yeah, faster than i do that's, yeah um but that's like neither of us kind of wanted to go there exactly so if you don't want to lose muscle you have to lose fat which requires um being a little bit more analytical about your diet mm -hmm. i would say we were we worked with a dietitian um, her name's dina her she's on instagram as the nutrition mechanic she's amazing like super level-headed like we just tracked everything we ate and she kind of gave us some suggestions from there um we both went into it with the goal of we want to continue to have a healthy relationship with food yeah. we don't want to be constantly thinking about what we're eating we don't want to exclude anything from our diet. Mm -hmm. We just want to like optimize and efficientize what we're doing. And mm -hmm. so most of it was small tweaks. Like instead of whole yogurt, whole fat yogurt, you get fat free or low fat yogurt. And mm -hmm. like, as long as you don't mind the taste difference and neither of us did, cause we get the like Chobani, like it's so rich, even in the yeah. low fat version that like, it's fine. Yeah. But and like yeah. little that is a food group for us. So switching yeah, one exactly. thing made a big difference. <laughs> yeah. But like little changes like that is what we were going for and what she was able to recommend for us. And then the big one for me was I always I was very hesitant to work with a dietitian. I was I was terrified to, frankly, because I was afraid of being told you need to eat less and be hungry. Because I hate being hungry and I hate when Sid is hungry because yeah. she gets hangry and that's bad, as do yeah. I. So we were like, we want to do this in like a really reasonable way so that we are not hangry. We're not like constantly thinking about food. And what she sort of explained, which was really helpful for me and kind of mind blowing, was it's not that you need to like eat less food. It's that you need to be more conscious of the calorie density of the food that you're eating, depending yeah. on what you're doing that day. And so a lot of it was just simple things like, I love pasta, love me some pasta. Pasta yeah. is very calorically dense. So days when you're doing a three hour ride, 
that's great. You should be eating pasta because you just burned a ton of calories on a three hour ride. But days when you're doing an hour spin, you probably don't need to eat pasta because that's more calories than you need. And so instead, if you do something like barley or farro or one of these whole grains, yeah. they're much lower or much less calorically dense. So you still feel just as full, which is awesome. Like I still eat a big old bowl of, you know, whatever it is. And I feel full and I feel good, but I actually consumed fewer calories because it was farro instead of pasta. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. a ton of stuff out there that's like, it's cauliflower and not rice, you know, or something like totally. that, you know? Yep. So, yeah. Like, and it definitely, like, I, I was hesitant about tracking food for all the reasons you've said, but it ended up being very, very helpful for us. I think basically what I realized is I had kind of an existing in a state of like very high energy flux and like not adjusting my caloric intake to keep up with that. So what would kind of happen is like we do a big ride. I would eat what I normally ate and be running like a 1200 calorie deficit. This is what we discovered when we started tracking <laughs> things. And then like the next day I would just be like a ravenous bitch, like just shoving everything <laughs> in my mouth, like being mean to Mackie, like just, and like no real thought to like what I was eating, like, and basically what we did is what, or what we've tried to do is like even that up a little bit of like, okay, let's get these really calorie dense things in like shortly after the workout. Cause that's actually when you benefit the most from like you benefit much more from like replenishing those calories before you go to sleep and recover than from like eating three bags of potato chips the next day. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and then like this weird thing started happening, which I was like a little sad about, like it used <laughs> to be like, like after every race I could like just eat the entire next day. We'd have the you recovery know? day hungries. Right. We're just, just like, like just whatever you see so you would much. Eat. And we changed the way we were fueling with like just eating so much more during the race and like, and during the hard workouts and afterwards but then it's like oh like i'm just a totally normal person on a recovery day it's like a little sad but like because also, you don't want to eat a pizza the day after like an entire yeah. pizza to yourself but it also but means also, you're not like obsessed with food you know yeah. and that yeah is good well what we, yeah what we figured out was happening with sid like she was saying this calorie flux is she was eating about the same amount every day and wildly different amounts of calories burned so it was evening out like she was maintaining right, her weight, gaining weight but she weight. was grumpy <laughs> not grumpy grumpy like and that was and yeah. probably not getting like the full benefit of the, of training. the training because i was totally. under eating on the training yep. days um yeah we learned a lot with we that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like, and and like you said like i thought we were eating pretty good and we mm -hmm. were you yeah. know like yeah i hate to use the word good because it's not really yeah, the way yeah, I try I'm... to look at it is like what's healthy in any given moment is like what is serving your goal for mm -hmm. that moment. Yeah. Right. Like but I mean, I see the way that you guys cook and stuff like that on your channel. So it's it's um it it's not Chef Boyardee and, and like hamburger helper. You, you know what I mean? So yeah. you're you're definitely like eating a a like a fresh diet, you know, of things that are are lots of vegetables and and things mm -hmm. of that nature. And like when I look at like the plates, they're not like, Hey, this is like 75% of the plate is protein. And the other part, you, you know what I mean? So it, it's apparent that you guys like, it's not like you were eating bad, you know, mm -hmm. and, and maybe, yeah, you have those days. And, um, I can relate with what you were saying, like, like the up and down though. Mm -hmm. And, um, but 
Yeah, it, it's interesting whenever you start really paying attention to what your body's actually asking for. Because realistically, the reason you're ravenous and hungry the next day is because your body's like, hey, like I yeah. ate all of the, the reserves. Yeah. You yep. need to like fill that tank back up. Mm -hmm. Right. But mentally, your brain is just like, well, I'm going to do that with fucking potato chips because yep. this is fun. <laughs> you <know>? Exactly. <laughs> well, and there, so one thing that I also thought was really helpful that we learned from Dina is the, the way she put it is there's no bad food. Yeah. There's yeah. just a bad time to eat certain foods. Yeah. Like there's nothing wrong with potato chips. If you're doing a stage race, potato we chips. Several bags of potato chips during BC bike race yeah. because we were just like salt, salt. One well, day I made a salt sandwich. Like yeah. it was literally just like salami potato chips, like two different kinds of pickles and like Cheese. avocado. There was yeah. some avocado yeah. on there. There was a yeah. green thing, but it was like literally just like get me salt because I just like. You know, we were finishing every day with like our kits were just like white, like yeah, yeah. white lines everywhere, you know? So like, yeah, that was a really good food at that moment. And so that's the key is like, we try to never talk about like, oh, we eat good or don't eat good, whatever, because there's no, like all food is good. There's just good times to eat it and bad times to eat it. And like, if you're eating potato chips continuously, you're just, you're never going to get very full and you're consuming a ton of calories and like, yeah. And thus you're missing out on like micronutrients and all, you know, the good stuff that's in vegetables and yeah. the things that we don't eat during a stage race. Like exactly. Mike actually usually tells us, he's like, don't eat raw vegetables. Yeah, no no like, salads this week. You're racing. No salad. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite splurge food? I don't know. I mean, we pretty much eat what we want when we want too for the most part mm -hmm. i think like i don't know i would say really good post-race foods pizza yeah. burritos. burritos because pasta because you're getting high calorie per quantity foods yeah. and that's the time when like you need to consume as much as many calories as you can as efficiently as possible that's a great yeah. time for like you're saying like hamburger helper, those like any kind of processed food that's really calorically dense. That's a great time to eat that because it's going to help you get those calories in without like your stomach capacity is only so much. You need as right. many calories as you can get in that stomach capacity. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to mention, because I thought of it is we, we talked about tracking food and we did do that when we started working with Dina but we didn't continue doing that because we knew that for both of us, it could kind of become this game of like, Oh, well, you know, I burned this many calories and I only ate this many. And like, you know, we didn't want to have that yeah. constantly like calculating relationship. So we tracked it for a couple of weeks until we sort of figured out like, here's, yeah. here's what eating this amount of food yeah. feels like or looks yeah. like. And then we stopped tracking it and we basically held pretty steady weight since we stopped doing that like at about the level that we wanted to be at. And we might yeah. do like another period of tracking, like mm -hmm. again in the off season, just to kind of like check in of like, mm -hmm. you know, I think. Yeah. I think Cause you'll let some things slip. I, I know whenever I've counted in the past, like I've done it enough times that, that generally I know what I'm supposed to eat when I'm eating. You, you know okay. what I mean? And, and the other end of it is also like, you also have to know, you can't have that number. Like some people, when you tell them, I always use the, the 10 pound or 10 calories per pound 
So like as a baseline, so, you know, if you're 200 pounds, then you can eat 2000 calories. But if you go out and you burn 3,500 calories that day, you should not be eating 2000 calories that day, you, you know, and that's the part that's really hard for me to like, because I'm not a dietitian to express to people where mm -hmm. I'm like, I just do what my body says at that point. You yep, know, yeah. and it's like, but not be ridiculous. It's like, yep. okay, I'm not going to try to eat two pizzas, but yep. I'm also not going to be like, oh, I can only have two slices because yeah. that's 600 calories, you know, mm -hmm. like. Totally. And especially, uh, like you said, as you get to know your hunger cues, as you get a better idea of like, how many calories are you actually burning? And that's something I don't know if you've noticed this, but power meters are amazing because they give you an accurate calorie count that does not necessarily line up with your heart rate. Yeah, monitor. heart rate, calorie counts. We got whoops recently. They're wildly off <laughs> yeah. compared to the power meter. We don't use those for calorie numbers because yeah. like those tend to be like almost all heart rate based calorie counters are overestimating your burn. They can go either way, actually. I oh think, yeah. I think okay. it depends, but they can Basically be, they're inaccurate. They, like I think they can be off like up to 20%, which is like, a lot for something like this, whereas like a power meter calculation is usually within like 5%. And the, the thing is, I have to look at that because I, I have a power meter on um, the new bike that I built and, and my gravel bike. And I don't actually look at that data any differently because it's I just look at it in my Garmin, which I'm assuming is like making it off of my heart rate monitor. Generally, if it has power, it'll usually base it yeah, off of like power. Strava will grab it from power if it's reading power. Yeah, and that's so, how I know uh, it's like wildly off because like when I ride my e-bike that doesn't have a power meter, it'll be like you burn 700 calories. And I'm like, and then I know what that feels like. That was not that. that, was not that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's funny. Yeah, it, there's like I was saying earlier about the Zwift, it definitely, it. it I, I'm slowly like as I'm building new bikes or you know, buying something new, I'm putting a power meter in all of them. Just so like, I, I, I was really blown away by how much, how much it really changes the way that I actually ride totally. when I'm on the trail. And, and initially I just thought I would just use it on the road bike, you know? And then next thing you know, I'm like, well, how many Watts am I pushing up that climb? You know, what is, cause it feels like this, you know? And well, when you look yeah. at it on like mountain bike rides, it's very like ding, 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 ding. Like on a road ride, it can just be like a consistent power the whole solid. time. But on mountain bikes, there's every little punchy thing. It goes up and then it goes back down and it goes up again. Like it's yeah. very, yeah. It's yeah, very you'll see like huge spikes. Like, oh, well, I yeah. just hit like 700 watts. You yeah. know, you're like, oh, yeah. two seconds. Awesome. And, then, yeah. and, and that's why it's it so funny. Like we'll get the occasional comment of someone who'd be like you should really do your intervals on the trainer or on the road because like that's how you get consistent power output and it's like yeah that's true but like that's not what we do in a race like when we're in a race we do 700 watts for two seconds and then like back it back down so we do do yeah. some of our training on actual trails basically just for some of specific. our intervals yeah 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 just because it's hard like and then what you do is you try to shoot for the average of the interval to be within your range. And sometimes it's above and sometimes it's below, but you make sure you have that average up there so that you can make sure that you know, you're hitting so the average. Okay. Yeah, so sometimes sense. it's high and sometimes it's low, but overall, if you can get your average in the range, and it's a very different feeling, like doing it on the trainer or like with erg mode, especially where it's just like, 
it's it's gonna make you do the correct amount is different than doing it on like a nice paved road climb where like you have to control it is different than doing it on a mountain bike trail where it's like there's some up and down and you're like constantly trying to juggle to stay in that range it's it's worth yeah, doing all of them because yeah, i was wondering how you would different. do that yeah because i mean you could go from 300 watts to 180 like or 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 like 80 watts because you're like going downhill and there's like you know or something like that and like, we do try I, to avoid get... downhills in our numbers. <laughs> yeah, I get yeah. so mad when there's a little downhill and I lose like 10 watts on that average and then you have to gain it all back on like the next climb. Oh, I don't that. Sid finishes these intervals sometimes and she's so <laughs> mad about this one section. I'm like, yeah, you got to bring it back. To it's okay. <laughs> Perspective. So like how long are your, your intervals then? Like when you're when you're actually on a mountain bike trail, is it like? you know, like a 10 minute push up some hill or something like that. And then you just try to those plan ones, your route. Those were those like, were like 18 yeah, minutes, I 15 think. or 18 minute ones. Yeah. We got some, we have some big hills around here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. As do we out here. It's, uh, yeah. I just wasn't sure like what, what, uh, like what that looked like on, on the trainer. So, so what was, um, BC bike race, like for you this time around compared to i mean at this point it's been a few years so sid you you had like a, a huge kind of transformation it sounds like yeah yeah it was much much better um it, it was, was hot yeah it was it was totally different conditions like it mm -hmm. was wet and rainy and foggy like looking at our footage from 2019 it was just like looks like a totally different world mm -hmm. and this time it was just hot and dry and dusty and i'm just like sweating all over my camera lens like the entire i'm, I'm so mad some half of our <laughs> footage has like sweat droplets on it it's terrible um, oh, that sucks when <laughs> these are but, youtube problems but i totally feel you there <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um but i i don't know it was just it this was the first time well this year has been the first time that i felt like i was like really racing stage races like really going and like each day is a race mm -hmm. and you're not really worried about the next day because like you know you can race for seven days in a row and that's in um, contrast to what in contrast to like are we gonna survive tomorrow or like how bad is like how big of a hole am i gonna dig over mm -hmm. the course of this week because um, yeah. last time we did it so last time we raced it as a co-ed duo. So we were racing together. So I was not going my race pace during that mm -hmm. race. Like was I was chilling. there. Chilling is not the right word, but like I was, I was there to support Sid to help her go as fast as possible. Right. And so it was a big week for me regardless, but it was a much bigger week for Sid because she was going race pace for seven days in a row. And we finished and like, basically didn't ride for i feel like you didn't ride for like three or four weeks it I wasn't mean, that long not quite i did like, i raised downyville three weeks later and i was not recovered for that yeah. so that gives you some idea um i yeah it's hard i i think i was like fairly fast in 2019 and i had this ability to go fast i just didn't have the like training to back it up so i just was breaking my body down over and over again and i think mm -hmm. like I think a lot of people do stage races like that. Like you definitely go to these stage races and you see people like limping around and all bandaged up and like the KT tape all over like half their body. Um, but it is much nicer to do it the way we did it this 
year where like it really was like day five or six i'm like oh wow <laughs> how is it day six already like this has gone really fast like i feel totally fine i think i think i might have left a little too much in the reserves but mostly that was because of the heat i just like didn't know how my body was going to react to the heat yeah. I historically have not been great at heat so i was pretty conservative the like first couple days um but, but it paid off up, because yeah. you had great later days yeah like sid had really fast last three days yeah. So. Yeah. Why didn't you race Downingville afterwards? Um, well, it was five days after a BC bike race. <laughs> and I think uh -huh. because of my 2019 experience, I was kind of like, there's no way. I'm, and, and honestly, I think like I could, I definitely could have done it this year, but I, I'm not sure I would have enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Like it would have been, it would have been a little tight turnaround. Um, and it worked out well because there's so many logistics around Downeyville. Like yeah. if you want a pre-ride, there's the shuttle. There's and so and much and driving. So Sid was able to deal with those logistics so that I could focus on racing, which I really appreciated. And then the next weekend at the 24 hour race, I was support crew so that yeah. she could focus on racing. So and then it was we a good were able balance. to get even more videos though. Now we're very behind. Yeah, we're very behind. But um, yeah, I still yeah. like, you'll love this because you've been to Downeyville, but they, the morning of the XC race, they shut the road to Packer Saddle, like at where it becomes one lane. And they mm. didn't tell anyone they were going to do that. So Mackie was depending on me to like have a bottle at the top. So I had to like power hike like all the <laughs> way up that road. Like my calves were more sore from that than anything at BC bike racing. <laughs> I was wrecked. Yeah, Sid was definitely, yeah. she was more sore than I was. And I had oh raced my God. across country. I was so <laughs> mad though, because I was like looking at my watch and it was like, if it becomes 10 o'clock, like I'm going to have to start running up this road. Cause I know how fast he's going to get up this hill. Like, and luckily some course marshal in a pickup truck picked me up and drove me to the top. Otherwise I don't know if I would have made it. it was... <laughs> so, so does the, the XC race go up that, that main, that main paved road, the way that the shuttle trucks drive? No, so that's goes... how I was going up. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. It goes up the, the fire road from, from 49 up that way, right? From Sierra from City. Sierra City. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah so I was going up this way and she drove yeah. and then was gonna yeah. And then yeah. was like sprinting up the hill. It was really funny because I was with all these other people who were like, Oh, we have plenty of time. I'm like, I don't have plenty of time, so I will like see you all later. And they're like, He won't do it in an hour. And I'm like, He will do it in an hour. And he did yeah. it in like 55 minutes. So it was a good thing I got up there. Isn't it crazy yeah. that you can spend so much time and your body can be so efficient at riding a bike and then like just this minute muscle change of like walking compared to cycling and you're like floored i uh wanted to get back into running like a year ago or something like that and i started running again i remember one of my first runs it was like i was so sore i couldn't even sit on the toilet you, you know but it was like but i can go out and ride like like I don't know, 35 miles and 6,000 feet of elevation, but I can't run like three miles, you know? Like, yep. Totally. Yep. Yeah. They had a Le Mans start at this 24 hour race we did last weekend. And I had volunteered to do the first lap because I'm usually like a pretty good starter, but I thought it was like in the past that this race, they had done a mass start like on your bikes, but they did a Le Mans start, which is where you like ditch your bike and then walk back to the start and run like, I don't know. It was kind of a it long way. It was kind run. of a long way. Yeah, it was like probably a, like a minute and a half of running, give or take. 
I don't know. It was at least 400 meters. Oops, so sorry. yeah, a minute and a half for me. Yeah. I'm not, not fast <laughs> these days. Um, yeah, that was hilarious because I was more sore from that than like the whole the next seven hours of riding my bike. And I also like got on the bike. I was like, okay, I can do 300 watts at a start for like a minute and a half and like bring it down and still go hard. I cannot run for a minute and a half and then like get on the bike and still go hard. I was just like, like soft pedaling after I like got on the bike, like was one of the first people on the bike. And then I was like, <laughs> don't train for this. I think it's yeah. one of the benefits of doing the gym work though, because we are forced to do movements that we don't like, they translate yeah. to the bike, but like, yeah. but nothing prepares you for running, oh, no, in, running yeah. in carbon sold shoes for 400 meters. No like, running's terrible. I would have brought other shoes if I had known. But I was just thinking of like, like Dane, our PT often has pull-ups in our gym work for me. And like, there are components that translate, you know, the pulling down, it's a lat movement, the pulling on a bicycle to like go up something like it's a lat movement. So that it translates, but they're just different enough that like I do pull-ups and the next day I'm like, are you sore yeah, from can... yesterday's pull-ups? Is that actually what's... surprisingly not? Oh, okay, I know, go. which is good, but <laughs> normally just those different movements, like I'm usually sore. And so being doing the gym work consistently this year, I think has helped a lot just in terms of like general ability to move around in life and not be a sore. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's, um, it's interesting how the gym work like changes things. I, I know um, whenever I first decided that, that I wanted to lose weight, I think right around last time we were on the podcast and mm -hmm. uh, I was doing a lot of gym work. And then when I had that rotator cuff issue, it just like make a long story short, it got me out of, of going to the gym and I just started like riding and riding and riding. And lately I've been really trying to figure out how to get the gym work back in because mm -hmm. there was a point in time where I let, let's say I weighed 10 pounds more and was actually skinnier, like because of the muscle mass that I had mm -hmm. instead, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, um, you could, you could tell that difference in like, um, the way that you could throw the bike around or mm -hmm. like you didn't maybe feel as sore in your core on a big ride day because of that, that gym, gym work. So totally. yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, it has its value. It's just, you know, it's like with, with anything in life, you just have to put it in your routine. And then once you have your routine, then it's really, um, it becomes not, not hard, you know? Mm -hmm. Like when I tell people, oh, I'm riding five or six days a week. And they're like, how do you do that? And it's like, well, I just am That's deciding to do that instead of something else that I was doing, you know, yeah. which who knows what that something else was, you know, but um, yeah. And once you do it at, for a while, then you start feeling weird when you don't, you know, <laughs> you're like, yep. so. And I think that's like, that's part of why I think Mike is having us get back into the gym work is it's kind of a like okay, you, you have not been riding, like you haven't been training regularly because yeah. when you're racing, you're not training. Like sure. Yeah. Racing will get you into shape, but like you're not doing your usual, like, okay, these days are interval days. These days are long days if you're racing because you're racing. And so yeah. we kind of got out of the, the ritual of these days are the days that we do that. And so I think part of it is just a momentum aspect is like, 
you have to just get back in that routine. And so Mike was like, this week, I don't care if you guys get on the bike, but you have to get back in the gym. And I think it was his nice way of telling us to uh, start getting that routine back in place so that we can get back into the training. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It The routine is good. Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. It's, it's, it's funny, though. It's like hard to get it to be a routine. And then it's also so easy to let it go. You, you know, like you take that week off and, and that next week is like, it takes some serious mental fortitude to, to get your yourself back in, in place there again. Totally. Changing yeah. gears a little bit though. Um, last time we talked, you guys didn't have two channels. So wow, you guys started the, the Sid, Sid Fixes Bikes channel and that thing has done really well. Was that like, are you, you guys are still making content for that here and there? Yeah. yeah, yeah, here, here, and, here there. and there is the operative yeah. word for yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Well, I think so, really that was it was Sid's way when she was injured of doing something, doing something bicycle related that would be beneficial to her in the long run. And she was like, yeah. I can't ride, I can't train, I can learn how to work on my bicycle. And it was also an opportunity for us to take all the things we had learned about YouTube that we maybe the best way to put it is that we weren't willing to do on the Sid and Mackie channel, which is like the videos are all sort of the same formula. You know, there's an intro there's, they're all in the same location. They're like, there's all these components that we just were like our Sid and Mackie channel. It's too much about our lives and like what we're doing to have that consistency. And so instead we're going to try to do all these things that we've learned, do them right on this other channel and see what happens. And it turns out basically we were kind of like, can we get to hundred thousand subscribers in a year if we actually like, cause I feel like we had had this sort of story that we told ourselves, which is that we know how do you do YouTube? <laughs> we're just choosing to do it wrong because we want to do it our way. Yeah. So then we're like, well, could we get to hundred thousand subscribers if we actually do it right? And the answer was yes. Yep. So, so what was, was it good. that you did differently? Uh, it was just really, really consistent, like super consistent branding that we planned out in advance of like, we're going to be in at this point, we were in the workshop that we built on Mackie's parents' property. So we're in the shed. I'm going to like be wearing the same apron. I'm going to have my hair done the same way. We're going to do the intro exactly the same way. We're going to tell people exactly what we're doing in the first 30 seconds of every video. That's going to match the title, which is going to match the thumbnail. Like, yeah. I mean, all that boring shit that we refuse to do for our other channel. <laughs> well, right. it was it was more that like that channel lent itself to that sure. kind of formula because yeah. the whole thing is here's a task. We're going to go through the task. I'm going to be behind the camera explaining the task and Sid's going to be doing the task. And so we were able to duplicate that with changing a flat tire and bleeding brakes and installing a for You know, you can do that. Yeah. Whereas on our, you know, on the Sid and Mackie channel, it's it's more of a story than it is a formula. And yeah. so we just And we you know. kind of depend on people to like ha- invest and watch more than one mm-hmm. video, which I think is the really hard ask with YouTube with our our like vlogging channel or whatever you want to call yeah. it is that like if you pop in and you watch one video, it might be like the fourth day of BC bike race or something and you're going to be like what's going on? Like mm-hmm. yeah. You know, we try to introduce ourselves. We try to do that, but like 
ultimately like we do want people to invest mm-hmm. a little bit more um something like a how-to channel is just so much easier in the sense of like you can make every video formulaic enough that if one per like no matter what video youtube decides to send out you're yeah. hitting people that want to subscribe and i think that's a hard thing with our channel is like every once in a while the algorithm will be like how about this one and we're like really that's the one you're gonna send out like that's not the one we want everyone to see (laughs) whereas with the sid fixes bikes channel it really was like any single one of these that does well will be representative of everything else we're doing so when people see a video if they then go to the channel every other video is the same style and i think that was what was you know that's what made it grow as quickly as it did and it was really fun to see that and we also did shorts pretty early that's true um which helped like we have we did one of the first like youtube shorts we posted got like 28 million views (laughs) which is a the comment section is the biggest cesspool i would ever had on a channel i'm just like i can't even like you don't want to get 28 million views on your videos like yeah we all sort of think we want that, but we do not. Yeah. <laughs> I know I don't want that. I like like thirty to sixty thousand. That's perfect. It goes yeah. over sixty thousand, and you just get people that you're like, "Why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please leave. We don't want you here. You can leave now. Yeah, <laughs> Here's yeah. more. Yeah, um, it's interesting. That's for sure. Yeah, it's. Um, I've been listening to this. This it's a YouTube channel and a podcast. It's called the Editing Podcast. And it's the editor from Logan Paul's is Logan Paul's editor. And so he knows how to like, I think he says something like he has like 8 billion views or something like that on videos that he's edited. So like it's him and some other people. And then they'll bring in people from that have edited different things like uh, Andor for for the Star Wars series and stuff like that, you know. And so it's really interesting, at least from a, an editor's perspective, which, you know, I guess we are, you know, and, yeah. uh, but there are some things that they talk about where, where it's like, yeah, that formula, like you said, is the formula for YouTube, but I don't know if it's necessarily always the formula for the mountain bike content that we do, you know, and it, and it's really hard for them, um, to, I think for them to understand that where it's like, no, somebody will watch three minutes of this trail that doesn't have any like, you know, after effects or this or that or whatever going on. (laughs) Right. Cause they're just interested in actually seeing what the trail looks like, you know, and to them, they would be like, this is, this is, this cuts too long. You didn't do this. You didn't do this. You're going to lose your retention and blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, it's, it's uh it's been interesting though i've definitely learned a lot from it and it's made me want to come up with ways to be a better let's say filmmaker Mm -hmm. than than just like a content creator Mm -hmm. and and i think that's where you see some channels like when they figure out how to like do the the mountain biking story and the like the content like the like the 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 filmmaker section Mm -hmm. like seth does a really good job Mm -hmm. like he's got like the b-roll and he's got you know a couple different angles and but he also doesn't like go out and do like as many trail rides so it's a lot harder to get that footage when you're you you know (laughs) by yourself you know or whatever so 
Well, and that's the thing is Seth, I feel like in the mountain bike YouTube space, there are a number of different sort of types. And there's what Seth does where he started off with the bike hacks and his stuff is all in generally in a single location. And, you know, he's gone out more, especially as he has the, the uh, burn peak, like he now has a location, but it's all generally yeah. at that location or in his shop or whatever. And then Brian, I feel like was kind of the first Brian and Alex were kind of the first to like do it more about trails and about like this, this ride as a But also video. kind of like talking people yeah. through it and like the personality coming mm -hmm. through for sure. Yeah. Um, and then I you have like, like BC POV or you guys or like my contents, like similar where it's, it's kind of a, a hybrid, you know? Mm hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's been interesting to see how different people have done different things. And yeah, I feel like we definitely started having more fun and enjoying YouTube more and also like, not necessarily getting success in terms of like huge amounts of subscribers or views, but like definitely growing on Patreon and like feeling like we were growing our community when we kind of stepped away from like what we were seeing as established genres. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like I think when we first started YouTube, we were kind of like, I don't know, like scattershot, like, oh, we'll just film this one ride we did and like kind of try to be BKXC, but like Brian already is that. Like yeah. he's got that he does a lot, really you well. know, and yeah. like we're not that. Um, you know, or we do a like, here's how to like set up a tubeless tire kind of video. Just like Seth, but he's already got does that really well. Yeah. And then when we were like, oh, wait, like we race bikes professionally, like maybe that's what we should talk about. And right. we're like, maybe we can like, tell stories about bike racing that we were like oh this actually is fun and like but it is kind of like I, I feel like we had to sort of I don't know make our own way a little bit with mm -hmm. that because nobody was doing that kind of content yeah. exactly when we started doing it mm -hmm. and it's definitely taken a lot of refinement like we were just looking at some of our BCBR videos from 2019 I'm like Oh, these are terrible. <laughs> there were aspects that were like, oh, that was good. We did that yeah, good. Yeah, like and every then, a little occasional yeah. diamond in the rough. And then we were like, bad. wow, nobody like, knows. Why did I put music in there? Yeah. <laughs> or like, nobody knows who we are because there's no intro. Yeah. We're just like, you've been watching the channel forever. So yeah. like anyone new is like, the hell are these people? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, the thing about YouTube that's different is that everybody's learning when they start, like not mm -hmm. many, I, there's not a lot of people out there that get into YouTube that have like, Oh, I went to film school. You, you know, like I know what I'm doing. Like yeah. none of us knew how to work a camera or how to like tell a story or how to edit or any of these things. And, um, so you, you kind of learn along the way. I mean, I know definitely I've done a lot of the same kind of things that you guys have talked about, like, you try what other people are doing successfully mm -hmm. and then you figure out whether or not that actually works for your personality. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? And, oh. and, um, I think you, everybody's, you, you eventually you start to build your own style, mm -hmm. you, you know, and I, um, then you like experiment here and there and you see what sticks and yeah, it's, I, I think what you said a few minutes ago though, it, it actually like, resonated with me when you said how many people you have on patreon because mm -hmm. i think that is something that i've always like really used as a barometer of like how well i'm doing because if you have a lot of support on patreon then that means like 
out of the whatever thousands of people that you have following like this many people believe in you enough to like pay you like out mm -hmm. of their own pocket like that's kind of insane yeah you know what i mean it's like well, on, on one hand you it's crazy and then on the other hand you're like well that makes sense you, you know like yeah. well like, even yeah. just the fact that they have to go from youtube to patreon like yeah. that transition right there like anytime we try to get somebody or somebody like we try to say hey go check out the link in the description or like go do this thing the second it's not like right there that's like yeah. instantaneous they can do it there's like a 100 percent, not 100 percent 99.5 yeah 99.5 percent drop off like most people are just going to be like nope i'd rather just watch another video which i yeah. totally get but yeah yeah, so yeah, I had a brand that was like asking me to do something with them and the way that they wanted it was like, oh, like, we'll pay you if we get this many like followers or whatever. And it was like, no, that's not how it works. Because you know how hard it is to get somebody to do that? <laughs> like, It's not just like, hey, I'm going to make this post and you're going to get 10,000 followers. You know, it's like, no, oh, dude, yeah. you know, so yeah. Uh, it's, it's, in it's summary definitely... thank you to everybody on patreon yeah. from yeah, us and from robert as well yeah. like we really appreciate that, that yeah, it I really am. is it's like it, it's such a better way to fund a channel than adsense or anything like that like we also have a lot of amazing sponsors that we're super grateful for but patreon is different like we actually feel like we know people and like mm -hmm. whenever we meet our patrons we're like Oh, this actually does make sense because we're like now best friends. Yeah. Like we, yeah. we want to be friends with you in real life. <laughs> yeah. Also, which is cool. Yeah. Like we feel like we're getting the right people to Patreon because when we meet them in real life, we're like, cool, we would actually be like we're actually yeah. friends in real life. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been trying to brainstorm of ways to like level up what I'm doing on Patreon. I feel like I I feel like I had a good plan for the time whenever I started it. And I need to like reevaluate right now where it's like, okay, like what am I actually doing or what, like, what is bringing value? It's interesting. Cause like, like you would think, oh, extra content. Like that's what people want. They watch content. So you make, I make content that's not on YouTube for Patreon. And let's just say there's, you know, 200 people there, five people will watch it, <laughs> you know? So you're like, yeah. Well, then maybe they don't want content like, you know, what, what do they want? You know? Yeah. Or does it even matter? Like recently Seth sent out an email saying that he was canceling his because they funded Berm Park. They did what they wanted to do. And like, that's that. And I had like responded back to him where was like, dude, I'm just here to like contribute to whatever it is that you're doing. So if you just let this money pile up in a bank account for three years until you figure out what you're doing with it, or at that point, you're just like, Hey, I'm going to give it all in, but whatever the hell you're going to do. Yeah. Like, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to like help support whatever your idea is. And yeah. I think that there's a lot of people on Patreon in general that that's actually what they're there for, that they don't really care about the sticker pack or the, you know, whatever it is. Well, and I'd be curious because I know, a number of the people in the chat are people who are on Patreon. Um, I would be curious to hear what people yeah. have to say, you know, why it is that they 
are on Patreon because it really is like we we used to do extended videos on like when we first started Patreon, we would mm-hmm. do the extended videos. And you know, we stopped doing that because they weren't as good as the short videos. Mm-hmm. And it bothered me that we were <laughs> yeah. giving the people that were paying us. And like there were some people that were still like, I really want the extended one. But I there were just so many times where I'm like, but the story is better in the short one. Like I just yeah. trust me, the short one is actually a better video um, because we took out the unnecessary parts. We started doing a little bonus content this year because we've just been we've been riding our bikes so much that we've ended yeah. up with like some of these rides that were like, wow, we filmed this whole thing and we're using it as like a 30 second segment. Like I might as well edit it together for Patreon. Um, and people seem to have those have been received really mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't call so the good, my but... extended versions extended. I just call them rough cuts because basically all it is is it's me doing my first pass. Mm-hmm. And I'll actually, when I'm doing that, I'll leave stuff in that I know I'm going to cut already. But it'll just be like some funny conversation that I had with my buddy or whatever. And I think the only reason that I, I keep doing those is, A, it's already f- part of my process to edit, totally. like to go through. So it's not really changing much there. Mm-hmm. But I think people that do watch them, they they enjoy seeing the change from that to what it, the final is, mm-hmm. you, you know? So it's like, oh, wow, yeah. I got to see, like, how that story became what it is. And I don't totally. know, like, I don't think you guys do this as much as I do. I've I've started in the last, I don't know, let's say six months. I really use a lot of my old footage a lot so i've been telling a lot of like side stories into the the ride itself so my rough cut may have you know just this one trail but the actual final cut could have like so much that's not even in the rough cut you know Mm, interesting so there's actually additional things in the final that are not in the rough yeah yeah cool so i don't know it's it's this new format that i've been trying to work with in my last couple of videos, I feel like I'm like refining it right now where it's like, I, I'm trying to tell a, a separate story that I'm filming like more like vloggy kind of in front of the camera as, as I'm telling the, the ride story. So like replacing some of the places where I might've just done a voiceover that like now instead I'm like zipping into me, like on this current video I'm working with, I'm putting on a set of wheels on my bike as I'm like narrating through this ride that I did. So I'm like using that footage in the middle. So then it kind of also goes into this, uh, some of the editing stuff where, where, that I've been listening to where it's like, you're leaving, you're making this other story. So you're, you're you're then making the the person watching want to get back to the, uh, the original one. Mm -hmm. or but then when they switch then they you're leaving them on something that's like hey i just took the wheel out of the box and like oh i want to hear what he has to say about that brand but now they have to watch the other part again and it's like it's like some of this like uh like human psychology stuff that they've been doing on television for a long time yeah like okay well does is like and it's been fun for me also to tell a story in this like different way so i don't know it's where that's I'm at cool. today. That's very <laughs> cool. I feel like that's what you just said is really the thing is like, that's where I am today is like, it's constantly 
you know, you're, you're constantly learning, you're changing, you're editing, st maybe not style, but like how much getting, you can do better. Yeah. 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 Like That's the fun you're constantly, yeah. Constantly trying to improve. And I feel like what keeps happening for us is we get faster at editing. Yeah. So then we start then we make it harder doing more <laughs> complex things because we want the videos to be better. And so it doesn't started actually adding get faster. in more <laughs> graphics this year, which has been big headache time consuming. of the time i yeah. would say it's definitely time consuming but <laughs> it's it's one of those better. things where you're like is there is the return actually as good as what like the time that you're putting into it like i i've started really paying attention to like my audio more so before if i went from a a, a vloggy like i'm holding the camera talking to it to like a trail section like i would just like it was just a cut right and it's like now you hear the hub and the trail noise and all this. So it's like, now I'm like, okay, I'm ramping the volume from like lower up to where I want it mm. in the first like three seconds or something mm -hmm. like that. So it's like the smoother transition instead of it being so harsh. Yeah. But it's like what you just said, it's things that at the end of the day, it takes so much more time to like make a really good video than it did when I started. And it, and I thought editing took a long time then. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's like, does, does like, yes, it is like viewing wise way more pleasant to watch than my original videos. But I also started my channel at that spot and like was growing. So does it matter? You know, I, I think it's the question is, does it matter to you? Yeah. <laughs> Cause I yeah. really yeah. think like, I don't know. I mean, I, I do think there's a little bit of like expectations have changed over time. Like I think in like 2018 when we started like it was kind of like i mean the gopros weren't as good for starters yeah. um but just the level was not as high as yeah. it is now like yeah you know i 100 agree the expectations were here yeah. and now the expectations are here. but i also and... think like if you can tell a good story like you can have pretty low production value totally. like there are definitely people doing that um oh yeah i mean all you need is an iphone if you can tell a good story right like yeah, yeah. and you have reasonable audio because yeah. i do think <laughs> really true. bad audio like we uh -huh. had such bad audio at the beat that's Oof. like my biggest regret with the start of our channel of how bad our audio was yeah like i think we got away with the footage being not good because we were telling the story and stuff but some of the audio was so I did that with my Sorry, podcast. everybody, before. and thank you for yeah, watching those for early videos. Around. It's really a miracle that there's anyone yeah. still watching. There are actually more people watching our videos now. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I think well, it does. It matters to us because like that's how we keep it fun. And mm -hmm. I think a little bit like that's sort of why we've plateaued with the Sid Fixes Bikes channel. I mean, there's a couple reasons for that. One is that I started training again and editing videos for multiple channels and that it was like too much um yeah i mean really we that just, was never the yeah. goal to, like i never wanted to be like a youtube bike mechanic full-time right like right you wanted to race your i bike. wanted to race my bike full-time you just so, couldn't yeah. um but we are we are going to keep doing videos on that channel it's just going to be more like at this point we're kind of like well when we have something that fits over there we'll put it over there um we did film a full build of mackie's custom painted bike so god knows when that will get edited <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah. Um, one day. One of these days. And a couple of those build videos like take forever, like forever, like, because it's like, okay, I could put a bike together in a couple hours. You know what I mean? Like, 
but if I'm filming, it's all day long because it's like, uh, no, I got to take it the break from this angle. Now I need to move my camera over here and take it from this angle. And now I got to screw this bolt in and I'm going to film the whole thing, even though I know I'm never going to use this, but <laughs> maybe I might want to use this as some B roll in some section down the road. So it's like yeah, it's such a nightmare. It's got to be even worse being solo. Cause at least for us, like, well, like but the thing around. is, otherwise we'd be building it together. So then it would go twice then as go fast. Twice yeah. fast. Yeah. So true, I right? yeah. that, I think. <laughs> it's a good point. Um, especially because the less competent person is doing everything. So that's really <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't remember what build video. I think it was something we did last year, but it literally took us like four days. And like, I like we were ready to get divorced. We were just <laughs> yeah. so mad at each other the whole time. <laughs> well, and at the end of it too, you're like, then you you do the edit. And you use like this little minute fraction of like what you actually filmed. Totally. Like, why? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You but, mentioned yeah. you got a new camera. I'm I'm you mind sharing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um thanks to people on Patreon again. Awesome. Um, but I recently bought the new Sony uh 6700. So they just released it. So it's their APS-C. It's a uh, they're the smaller form factor camera, but it has it has a really good video aspect, and then also still takes great pictures. Where there was another camera that was like a little bit more leaning towards the the video side, but not as much on the camera side, which probably would have still been fine for me. But I've like as a a fun thing, a not YouTube thing, like been getting into taking pictures more. So cool. that part is like is fun as well where it's like there's been some times where I, maybe i traveled with my wife to somewhere she was working and it's like i spent the day at the beach taking pictures of flowers and surfers and and it was just fun yeah. you, you know and yeah. and those pictures will never get anywhere but i had a good time doing it you know and it, so that's the um, important thing if you're not enjoying it like yeah. yeah any of this if you're not enjoying it why do it <laughs> it's a lot yeah, of work yeah. man. <laughs> I think the thing with me though is that I just really enjoy learning things. I think mm -hmm. that's what it really comes down to and I think that's why why YouTube speaks to me is because like you said earlier every edit you're looking up something to learn how to do something or it's like you see somebody else do some cool transition you're like, "Oh, how do I do that?" or yeah. "How do I animate this?" or and um that's really fun mm -hmm. at least to me. You know, and, and I think to other people, that's a nightmare. You know, they, yeah. they, they you explain an edit to them and they're like, wait a minute. It took you 15 hours to make that video. And you're like, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. I don't know. I've, I feel like at this point, we're both like, we're at the point where we want to focus more on the story. Yeah. And so we'd be willing to pay somebody to do some of the edit. technical things yeah the like yeah. technical things but the problem is trying to find someone who understands the bike side of it well enough to then like i would rather take someone who understands bikes and teach them to edit than yeah. take someone who knows how to edit and try to teach them about bikes <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. It's really hard. yeah yeah it's interesting it, it's definitely I can understand where you're coming from. I would love to be at a point where I think for me, 
let's let's pose it this way. Would you rather have somebody film you or somebody edit? Mm, probably film between the two. Yeah. Because for me, I think if I had to choose, I would rather have somebody like getting all the great B-roll shots and not having to walk up and down the hill or like well, especially for us, three someone days who, in a row. Yeah, like you know? someone who didn't have to be on the start line in five minutes who could like film us while we're panicking and running around. Like we get a lot right. more really entertaining footage because true. the times where we go dark is like, oh, we have to get to this race and things are not going well, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think it would be very beneficial. We've been sort of tossing around um, training Mackie's brother and hiring him. I think it would be entertaining for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Not sure we can sell sell him on this idea for the budget that we have. He was right. he's at least considering it. So he was also going around and telling everyone we were gonna pay him eighty thousand dollars a year. And we're like, we're we not to, gonna be doing that. Yeah, we had to be like, uh, it's gonna be a lot less than that. Yeah. So that podcast that I was talking about, they they've been talking about this thing called this this service called Stir. And it's like a, a website or whatever that you can put in other people on your team and then they can get whatever set percentage of your ad revenue. Hmm. Interesting. So I thought that was interesting to like, for some, some of us out there, you know, like I'm definitely not in a spot where I'm, I'm even entertaining hiring somebody that's mm -hmm. like more expensive than free. Like yeah. I'll hire anybody that's free. <laughs> like, like I'm in, but uh, other than that, like this is not a, a very sustainable uh, monetary income source for me at this point. <laughs> or like, how do you say that? Like, I definitely still need my regular job. We'll put yeah. it that way. <laughs> you haven't quit the nine to five yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there was a long way to go for that. But honestly, like, I if I'm making enough money, and, and this is one of those things I think I had to do like in my youtube um lifespan or whatever yeah. you want to call it like is get to the point where no i actually don't think i want to quit my job and be like a full-time youtuber but if i can make enough money with this youtube channel to like do really cool things with the channel and be able to like not have to buy bikes and not have to like buy any of the parts that i'm i'm doing like purchasing to like make this channel then then that's the right amount you know, totally. and I'm, and I'm okay with that. And, yeah. but like, like I said, at the beginning, it's like, it's definitely not cheap. You, you know what I mean? It's not like, Hey, I bought this Garmin or I bought these power meters. So I could tell you guys about it. Even if, even if I got a deal on the power meters, they were still 800 bucks, not 1200, you, yeah. you know, like, yeah. like, so that's where the, the people on Patreon, like they're really dictating that. I would love to be at a point though where I could could like at least somebody to help film, you know what I mean? Yeah. That would be that would be rad. I'd definitely make the bike builds go fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Or maybe I just need like 19 cameras. So yeah. <laughs> oh my God, we tried that. We tried we try that. Uh, we were building this is such a classic us. We were building Mackie's XC bike like 10 hours before we had to get on a flight to Chile. I don't think it was quite <sighs> that close, but it was, it like was close. A day and a half before yeah. or something. You know, it was last so like minute. three hours. Right. So yeah. we did not have the time to do a Sid Fixes bike video. So we're like, maybe if we put like a GoPro in like every corner, we can then edit them to get and like record all the audio through the mics. Um, no, I'm big. Turns guess. out 
they heat up and die. Yeah, the GoPros oh, were yeah. like dying yeah. right and left, <laughs> and like, oh, it was a headache. Yeah. And then, then you just have what seven hours of footage. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. You get a bunch of different cameras, and oh man, the amount of footage you have that you have to go through. Ooh, yeah, so yeah. I kind of think that one probably will never see the light of day. I don't know. Have we given up on it officially? No. No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not officially. Somewhere. Someday. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Someday. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely. Um, it's. It's definitely. The more footage you have, the more complicated. You know, and and even if it's just like like the b-roll or whatever but it's it's definitely been nice for me at least the way that i'm evolving into telling my story now of having a lot of older stuff to go back to so like like i'm rewriting trails that maybe i haven't ridden in like four years on the channel mm, cool and i can do a comparison to like hey this is how i was on the climb and i'm like yeah. complaining or like here, look how slow I was going. I was trying to think of like different stories that I could tell then where it's like, hey, here's a progression of like, mm -hmm. this is what this trail looks like when you're a noob. And this is what this trail looks like when you have a little bit more skill or, you know, or something like that. And um, I don't know. I, I really like having that old footage. I used to not care. Like if I used to tell people that like, ah, oh, if I lost all my old footage, I would give a shit. I would like be very like i would consider quitting youtube if i lost it all now <laughs> you know like do you like, have how like, much a, I like it. a giant server that you store it all on or yeah i have like a uh a network attached storage so just uh um, yeah. it's it's a lot of space i think i have like 36 terabytes of usable space and and nice. i'm probably at this point, I mean, I've had, I have footage from 2017 till now. So I think I'm using like 18 or 19 terabytes of, of storage. So yeah, we've it, got 16 and only have two and a half remaining. So I'm like, uh-oh, time to figure yeah. out how to make the NOS a little bigger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's like one of those things that, you know, I, I, I'm going to keep drilling Patreon like that. That's one of those things that that help, helps for those things where it's mm -hmm. like, yeah. People don't see, uh, uh, like, yeah, when you make this YouTube channel, you're going to have to spend $3,500 on network storage <laughs> and a uh, backup plan so that you don't lose your stuff. <laughs> you know, like, it's ridiculous, it's ridiculous how much footage we have. Yeah, but it's like, like, uh, like you said, like, we would be devastated if we lost it. Like, yes, it for us, I think we have going back to like, 2014 2013 we have footage from 2012 yeah yeah i mean it's bad it's, it's bad we never use it, it in a video but bikes. like oh i don't really know really glad we have it. south america we used some of we that we did like, use some yeah. of it okay i take it all back we, used <laughs> yeah. we did use some of it in a video it was bad yeah. it was bad yeah it but but it's like for the moment you know what exactly. i mean so it, it's, like, it's okay that it's bad because yeah it's clear that it's old footage yeah yeah, yeah. You, you can do a lot of things with that it's, it's just really cool to be able to like go back I noticed on an edit that I was doing a couple of weeks ago that I had pulled up some old footage and it was just looking at the trees that were in the view were like, oh my God, that pine tree is like so big now. Nice. And in that old video, it was like not even in the way, you know? It's oh, like, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of neat. So I don't know. But what are you guys looking forward to? Hmm. Being, being done with the bc bike race videos. yeah yeah we have like a bit of an editing slog over the next week or two but we're almost done with number two which means that we have five more bc ones 
one or two Downeyville ones and a 24 hour Rowan. Yeah. So, so we have a bit of a backlog. We have a, a bit of a backlog. <laughs> um, well, we're going to Madeira in September. So we're definitely looking forward to that. So yep. that is that for be... fun or for five day enduro <laughs> stage race? <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, small island owned by Portugal off the coast of Africa, part of the Azores, which we've never been to. So I'm really yeah, excited. Really it's going to be fun. about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. My wife's had... been to the Azores. She really enjoyed that. Cool. Cool experience there. We've heard it. Are you guys gonna have any extra time to like do we'll things other than race? A couple days before that, we're gonna ride, um, and then we're gonna race. And I can't remember if we're there. No, I think we head out afterwards. We kind of learned it's hard to like have fun in a couple days after a stage race. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, we've also learned that it's bad to try to fly for 13 hours a day after a race. So uh, there's no winning, really. Yeah, Unless you're flying business class. Yeah. So if anybody's got the hookup and yeah, get us business class on everything, another thousand patrons for that. That would be um, awesome. <laughs> we did. We got <laughs> upgraded to business class on our way down to South America, and now we are ruined for life. Ruined for life. Yeah. It was yeah, you had like yeah. the like sleeping like oh, yeah. setup, like the lie flat thing. Oh, I yeah. slept for seven hours i like yeah. got on the plane and went down and was out for seven hours and i was like this oh. is the best thing ever yeah our, <laughs> our friends who we traveled with to south america like she flies for work all the time so she has like united 1k status or whatever yeah. so she was able to like put our names on the upgrade list it was amazing it was pretty special so but now we're spoiled so yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna get everyone to join patreon right. so that we can afford to do yeah. business class plane tickets everywhere but it will be it will be <laughs> you guys you guys are doing your videos in in pretty much like close to 30 minutes now so what made you decide to go for such a longer format that's a great question. I mean, I think at, at one point we had kind of shortened them. And I think that kind of taught us what was, I think that was a good exercise. Mm -hmm. Definitely like got rid of some stuff that were like, okay, we're doing too much of this, too much of that. Yep. Um, but I think for these race videos, like people seem pretty stoked on longer videos a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Like, definitely have not seen like a decrease in viewership that corresponds with length at all not the at all. really good on them still I, even, it's even like the same long. yeah i think we usually i'm not looked recently but we pretty reliably like have 50 percent to the end i would say wow unless we um, get over right yeah over 60, that 60k 000, where you get yeah. the people that shouldn't be there yeah, then yeah. <laughs> then it like dips and then we're down at like 25 30 yeah. percent yeah. but yeah, up to 60 we we're at about 50 there. yeah yeah um, How many subscribers do you have on the Sid and Mackie channel now? 95. Yeah. Just about. Oh, about to get the plaque. But it's oh, like, we're trying. It's like creeping up so slowly. I don't think people subscribe on YouTube anymore. That's my theory. Like, I really think, like, I don't subscribe to anyone. No offense. Um, <laughs> probably we do subscribe to you, actually. I've subscribed to our friends. But it's really, like, I don't necessarily subscribe to the channels that I watch because YouTube just like pitches them at me mm -hmm. anyway. So it's like, yeah. you don't even really need to. Like I generally feel like I subscribe when I'm like, I want to help this person. We're doing yeah. a pitch in our BC yeah. races. Like, because we're like, a we really pitch? just want to hit 100K. Hit I swear 000. I'll never ask you to subscribe again after we hit 100K. Because, <laughs> like, we're not going to hit a million. I just want the plaque. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. totally, like, literally just for the plaque. Because like, the problem is right now, we're at like, six maybe seven maybe 800 a month 
So like at that rate, it's going to be like a a year still, and we're like, so we that's going to be 5, my pitch. Is like just subscribe, and we'll shut up about this. Forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good pitch. <laughs> we'll never ask you again if you just subscribe yeah. this time. <laughs> I feel the same way though. Like, I don't know what it is about that plaque. Like, I feel like that's like the only thing that I really want. Like, yeah. like every time I think about quitting YouTube, I'm like, well, I don't have a plaque. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, we have a black. We have one, but we want two. We so, have, like, we I have don't know. space for the other one. It's there already. Yeah, we it's did, ready. like, yeah, erroneously when we hung up our Sid Fixes bikes plaque last year, we were like, we'll just leave it off center so that when we get the other one, <laughs> one year later, so now we have still to. no plaque. So, yeah, yeah right. we should probably put that in the pitch. Look, it's Look, off it's center. Off Does center that not and it's your off? fault. <laughs> <laughs> All of you OCD people out there that are watching this right yeah. now. You want to fix that problem right there? Hit subscribe. <laughs> yeah, you just need to have like a space oh, on your awesome bar behind you there that's just empty. Like For a, a glaringly <laughs> empty space that's the size of the plaque and be like, it's going to be like that you? until... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it would be. So yeah, hope, hopefully you guys get there soon. And that'd be, that'd be really awesome. I know that um, it would mean a lot to, to me, even just to hit like the next um, milestone for me, like it's 20,000. I think that's the pitch that I'm, I'm going to start making is like, I just want to get there. And like, for no other reason than for some reason, that number makes me feel like it was worth it or something. I don't know. You know, I don't know why that is. It's, it's like totally. some kind of like psychological thing. Cause it's not like anything changes. You, you know what I mean? It's like, it's the same thing, but that, that, um, yeah, I don't know. Put a lot of value into it. I guess, you know, you, you, you spend so much of your time creating this. It's like, you need some kind of rewards that are mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. something to hang your hat on or something. You know what I mean? totally like it is yeah. rewarding to like meet your your subscribers and, mm -hmm. and um there's lots of other ways as well but you know some reason i think because youtube sets that bar so high like it's like man there was a ton of work to get there you know it's a it's a metric for sure and the irony is like we look at our videos and I don't know about you, but for us, it's about 50% of the people who watch our videos are not subscribed. So we're like, yeah. literally, our worst performing video, if the people who weren't subscribed, subscribed, we would, we would be so past 100,000. But yeah. no, half but the people just aren't going to subscribe. It is really, really funny. Like, at this 24-hour race, like, none of our friends are subscribed My to our channel. My siblings aren't Max's subscribed. Max's brother's like, yeah, I don't subscribe. We're like, Bowden? He's like, I don't subscribe to anyone. I'm like, but could you make an it's exception? It's people like you, Bo. <laughs> right? And yeah. like, whoa, our friend who's, like, been in our videos, she's like, yeah, I make everyone I meet watch the videos and subscribe. She's not subscribed. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> she's like, but I don't really want to make an account. I'm like, I yeah. guarantee you, you have an account. You have an account, like, Bo. Everyone right. has a YouTube account. I've gone through these, like, ups and downs with with youtube one of my like it was so bad when youtube did the thing where they show how long your subscribers been subscribed i was like uh-oh because because like i've had times where i like get irritated with what youtube's like sending me and i'm like unsubscribe from everybody i'm like <laughs> i don't want to be subscribed to anybody i want to pick the videos that i want to see you know and then like 
like three months later, I'm like, man, why am I never seeing the Sid and Mackie video? Oh, I'm not subscribed. <laughs> so, That's so then like, I go it makes even better. We never look at that. So yeah. you're safe. I didn't even know that was a thing. You can unsubscribe as many times as you want. Yeah. <laughs> we won't be insulted. Yeah. I have so, thought about that occasionally, though, because there are some people that I'm like, I really should have been subscribed to this person a long time ago. So I don't really want to hit the subscribe now because they're going to see it and they're going to be like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Well, and, and because like the way that the, 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 the YouTube studio shows new subscribers, I think that it, it like prioritizes who it shows Bigger there channels. by how big yep. their subscribers are. <laughs> yeah. So if you subscribe, because oh, I've yeah. done this to somebody else, I can't remember like in our like friend group where it's it was gonna like, sit there for like two months. <laughs> like, like I didn't know that I wasn't subscribed to. Let's just say it was like Jeff Lanoski or something. It was like, but his videos come up all the time. It's like, then you hit it and you're like, oh shit, I'm gonna be there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like they're right on the page, you know. <laughs> like, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. 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 Well, man, it's been two hours. Every time I talk to you guys, it's it goes by so quickly. Just flies, yeah. man. So Just flies. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why, but we need to make a conscious effort in this next year to actually meet each other in real life. We've been to point. so many of the same events. And Different I was years. telling this story to somebody <laughs> the other day. I don't know how you, you guys and me, we like evade each other perfectly <laughs> it'll be like sea otter sedona whatever it is and somehow it would be like yeah sid mackie was just here like 10 seconds ago you know like so um, let, let's definitely let's definitely yeah. try to actually cross paths in, in person this next year um make it happen that would be great yeah. so yeah awesome really appreciate you guys um honestly coming on the channel and, and chatting with me it's such a good time every, every time. So it, it is, it is um, much appreciated. And so, vice versa. Let's, let's yeah. not wait three years for the next yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So with, with that being said, those of you guys that haven't subscribed to this channel, do that. But more importantly, go, if you're going to use one subscribe today, go to the Sid and Mackie channel and subscribe to Sid and Mackie. If you haven't already and you're listening on the podcast and you're going to do that, instead of writing me a five-star review, go to Sid and Mackie, get them to 100K. It would also, be five-star review. Right. There you yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if you don't want to do any of that and you just want to go on with your life and do something free, just remember, it only takes a bike to be a biker. Get out and be one.